Many of the stories in this series contain difficult subjects and traumatic events. Listener discretion advised. Our next storyteller is Tara. Working with Tara is always such a joy. She's been involved in downtown since 2019, having taken part in the Wearing Mums Makeup Project, which through one kind of pivotal workshop, uh, Tara was able to unleash a whole kind of plethora of creativity that uh, had been left untapped for so many years. I think even though this story is particularly quite hard hitting, um, we wanted to make sure that there was some lightness because comedy was really important to Tara, which is why we named the story Why This Morning Saved My Life Twice. It was almost like an homage as well as a little bit of a mocking towards those sort of take a break headlines. Um, And I think even though the story is quite heavy, having that level of lightness there shows the level at which Tara wanted the audience to receive what she was saying. Here is Tara's story. Hi, I'm Tara. I'm part of the Wearing Mums Makeup part of Downtown Pompey, where I learned how to start creative writing, which was mostly poetry at the time, but writing a story now is a little bit different. But here's my story. It's how this morning saved my life twice. As I'm looking through a very large collection of photos, which the majority of pictures I have taken of the kids on day trips, and also a mixture of school photos, birthday parties, and Christmas parties. I found a handful of photos of myself, and one that stands out as a photo of me that my ex had taken when I wasn't aware of him having a camera. It's a photo of after I had recently had to have my son delivered by emergency cesarean, as I had had preeclampsia and we both could have died. He was two weeks old at the time of the photo, and we were visiting the church that I used to regularly attend until they found out I was pregnant with my son. In the photo, I was standing in the cafe area, which was a horrible shade of beige and pink. That's probably why I'm not really keen on that shade of pink. Well, that and the fact the place we moved to two weeks after that photo was taken, the artics in the hallway was so roughly done, and it was in that shade of pink, but you could have cut yourself on it if you ran down the hallway too quick. It was that bad. Now, I've never been the most fashion conscious at the best of times. And in this photo, I'm wearing a black bomber jacket, purple corduroy trousers, and yellow desert boots, which Mike support for himself, but he never got the chance to wear because they were so comfortable. What can I say? <laughs> the one thing that stands out is how unhappy I looked. I was someone at the time who would put on a mask covering up how I felt when anyone asked how I was feeling. Now, at that time, it was mostly the helpers and the doctors asking that. And I'd been brought up during the time where you just got on and carried on and kept calm. So now, seeing how the mask had slipped, I had got to put on how I truly felt. I was not aware of my picture being taken, otherwise that mask wouldn't have slipped so far. It reminds me, but it reminds me of how this morning saved my life twice. Now I'm showing my age. This was in early 1997. I had recently become a single parent. The version of the small I'm talking about is when Richard and Judy were presenters, not Holly and Phil, and before Richard and Judy were doing book clubs and wine tasting on Channel 4. They used to have a health section on the show where they had a doctoral health expert come on to talk about various health issues. At this point, I was always watching daytime TV, so I was a semi-regular watcher of this morning. The first time that this morning saved my life was during one of these health slots. 
The doctor introduced a woman who had recently given birth to her first child, and rather than being full of the joys of becoming a parent, she told her story of how she found herself not coping with the emotional roller coaster she had found herself on. She was always feeling not just tired, but physically and emotionally drained, and would cry for no reason. Even though she had just given birth and she had a child, she was almost suicidal. I found myself knowing exactly how she felt with each and every symptom. It was like crossing off a bingo card and finding out he had every number come up. I had post-out depression. I had seen this while posters on doctor surgery, but I'd never really put the pieces together until now. And this was the 1990s at the time, so mental health was not so well understood as it is now. As I said, I had recently become a single parent and I would regularly sleep on the sofa, that's if and when I could sleep. I would also find myself crying for no reason, which is part of why my relationship with my son's dad had ended. Being both in my early 20s and not really understanding properly what postnatal depression was then and with everything that went on with that, but now there's an actual reason of how I felt and it wasn't just me being a bad parent. And so I went to the doctors this time Although instead of having to the happy-go-lucky, nothing-can-face-me mask on, when the doctor asked how I was, I told the doctor everything. I know there's a saying that you should never self-diagnose yourself, but this was before you could Google your symptoms. So it's thanks to this morning that this was the first instance of when it saved my life. Now I've got an official diagnosis, and I was on medication to help with the feelings of depression, Although I still found myself sleeping in the living room rather than sleeping in an empty double bed. This was still quite early in 1997, probably only a few months later. Because I was feeling better about myself, I started to do more around the home and look after myself a bit more. I'd even let a council workman in to serve as a gas fire, which was in the living room, about a week or so before. A few days after he had been, I'd start to feel ill, like I was coming down with flu, even though it wasn't flu season. But every time I left the flat, the feelings would vanish. Again, during that week, I was watching this morning, but the difference this time is I had managed to do some housework and my son was taking a nap. So I was using it as part of my coffee break. Sorry. Coffee. <laughs> Better. I was still feeling ill, but at the time I thought nothing of it. That was until the health section of the programme came on again. This time the subject was something I'd heard of but never thought about. The person the doctor introduced to the viewers this time was talking about the symptoms that they had at one point of carbon monoxide poisoning. Again, the bingo card of symptoms I had also had was getting ticked off one by one as they spoke. I, every one they had. But how could I have carbon monoxide poisoning, I thought to myself. I'd only recently had the fire and boiler service. So I made an emergency appointment straight away to see the doctor to find out if I was suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning or I had just had flu. Again, I told the doctor everything of how the person in the health section had the symptoms I had and what they felt. The doctor confirmed that I had carbon monoxide poisoning and that if I had not seen them when I did, I would have died. Now, I just needed to find out how this happened to me. Luckily, the council offices were just up the road from my doctors, so that is now where I was heading to get some answers. 
I told them about what the doctor had said, about how I felt, they felt it had something to do with gas fire. And that I'd made, so I made an appointment to see an engineer, have an engineer come. Later that same afternoon, I answered the door to the gas engineer, who went into the living room to examine the fire. I watched as he started to take the front of it off. Then he got to the back plate. It turns out that part of the fire was the main reason I'd felt so ill. The back plate had fallen down covering the safety vents. So the carbon monoxide was filling my living room and poisoning me while I slept. And I would never have known of that if it wasn't for watching daytime TV. Again, the second time this morning saved my life. When I look back at this photo, I feel that I know so much more about myself now and mental health. I'm so much happier and more content with who I am, although I'm no way perfect. All have it all together. I'm proud of how far I've come, and I'm enjoying finding out who I truly am. I'm letting my creative side grow, in which downtown Pompey has played a part and reignited that in me by having this opportunity to share my story of how this morning saved my life twice. Thank you. And that was Tara's story. Uh, it was really lovely seeing Tara's creative process, I think, throughout this. She was always on her laptop editing and adding and working on her story. You often found her tucked away, like typing away, adding and adding and adding. And it made the story so real and you felt that you were in it with her um, and making Tara lots of cups of tea while she, she churned away at her stories, very specifically made. Uh, thanks to Josh for that one. <laughs> I did make a lot of coffee. <laughs> up and down those stairs. Yeah, yeah, up yeah, and yeah. down those stairs. It was just a true pleasure to get to know Tara and work with Tara on it. Yeah, I know Tara's been involved with our projects right from the very beginning and seeing her confidence grow and seeing her trust in her own creativity and her writing grow has been beautiful. What really struck me this time is that in coming in and telling her story, she was also really open to listening to everybody else's stories. And she, I think for the first time, really felt that she was able to support other people um, in the way that she's often talked about feeling supported herself and to see her make that shift is really powerful and I'm just really grateful that she keeps coming back and showing us more of what she can do because every time there's more, there's better um, and I just love to see her keep growing. <laughs> <laughs>